There has been a rebuild, guys, and it has been a front office rebuild. And it's time to look and reflect on the moves that have been made and why we as Marlins fans should be extremely excited about the direction of this organization, not just for 2024, but way beyond. Time to get into. This is Locked on Marlins. You are Locked on Marlins, your daily podcast on the Miami Marlins, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings from England and welcome to Locked On Marlins. It's your daily Marlins podcast. I'm your host, Peter Pratt. Hit me up at Miami Marlins underscore UK. Yes, a semi-finalist in Marlins Twitter madness. Again, one day, one day, one day. Um, <laughs> thanks for making Locked On Marlins your first listen. Uh, this is your team every day. And thanks for everyone that has hit subscribe. And don't, don't forget, there's a YouTube channel as well. Hit subscribe over there too. YouTube channel is also called Locked on Marlin, so it's easy to find. Easy to find, and if you are watching, you get the graphics. You get me. You can see me. You can see my lounge, my living room, and you can see it's Thursday's episode, and I have another guest. I am going guest heavy right now, and I would say maybe third time appearance, fourth time appearance. I'm a little bit uncertain on that, but nevertheless, Isaac Shapiro in the house. How are we doing, brother? Pete, we're doing good. Always happy to be talking Marlins baseball, um, especially mm-hmm. when it's been bare bones so far on the news front. It has been on the field, it's fair to say. I think it's it's been a little bit dry. I'm expecting some acceleration in February as uh, as the market shakes out, let's say. But it's fair to say there's been a lot of activity off the field. And so we're going to spend a lot of time today, actually, for those listening and those that haven't got the graphics to help them. Like, what's on deck today? We're talking front office. We're talking front office rebuilds. And really, when when I think of the main champion within Marlins Twitter of what's gone on this offseason, I think of Isaac, to be honest with you. He has been all in on this front office rebuild. So I'm really interested to get the perspective, what the impact is, the direction we're headed here. And what it means, uh, both now and in the future. Like, this one's kind of for the future because it's going to take time. So we're going to talk about that. Equally, there's been a media day today. Uh, No, I wasn't there, by the way, in case you're wondering. I wasn't. Um, But there was a media day. And there's been some quotes. There's some quotes to work with. We've heard heard from Josh Bell. Sounds like he's going to be dropping on to maybe tomorrow's episode of uh, Miami Mic'd Up with Jeremy Taché. He's probably been talking to everyone. So that'll be a lot of fun. Josh Bell quotes, we got a Braxton Garrett quote, we got Brian De La Cruz quotes, Jesus Sanchez quotes. Ah, at the back end of January, this is what we need. So, tons to get into. Looking really looking forward to this one, actually. Uh, but before we do that, this episode is sponsored by our good friends over at FanDuel. Yes, sir. And you can make every moment more. Right now, new customers get 150 bucks in bonus bets, guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. Just visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started and we are starting with the front office and we are starting Isaac with the news let's just go back right to the start Kim Ang ends up declining a mutual option so Kim understood the direction they were taking I know it feels like old news in many ways but it's still part of this offseason Kim Ang declines 
decides she doesn't want to be part of the new direction. As you've taken time to reflect on that, are you surprised at that decision? Or how do you feel about that decision with Kim, you know, effectively saying, I don't want to be part of this and, you know, and go in their separate ways? You know, it makes sense that she didn't want to, um, I guess, opt into her contract knowing that uh, Bruce Sherman was going to hire a president of baseball operations to basically be her boss. Um, mm. You know, at that point, the president would kind of be the GM and she would kind of be like relegated to an assistant GM role, basically having mm. control of um, the the 26-man roster, but not, or maybe the 40-man, but not really able to uh, execute kind of her own vision of the organization. So, I mean, it, it makes sense that she didn't want to be a part of that. Um, and at the same time, it also kind of makes sense that um, the organization kind of wanted to do that, right? I mean, just from player development to, you know, scouting to drafting, just kind of everything was going wrong in the org. Um, mm -hmm. And I, I think Sherman kind of wanted to bring someone in to really like restructure everything and to, mm -hmm. to really make sure that I don't want to say it was like too much work for Kim or maybe it was like something that she hadn't really done before, but it, it is kind of a big responsibility and a lot of work. And um, it seems like he just wanted to bring someone in to kind of have that all aligned and let her focus on things that she was really good at, which was like making good trades. Um, mm -hmm. I think she made some good like waiver pickups. And so I, I think it, it made sense on both sides that they wanted it, but she didn't really want to be a part of that. Yeah. Right call from Bruce, by the way, just in terms of like, we think the plan here for Bruce bringing in this president of baseball ops uh, for the reasons you've outlined, you know, it feels like you agree with that direction. Uh, the right call from Bruce to, to go down this path, yeah? Totally. Um, I, I feel yeah. like, I think you're seeing a lot of organizations now kind of have this hierarchy where they have like a president and then a GM just because you know how much it takes to run a baseball organization. And I think all of the most successful organizations, Tampa, Cleveland, um, I've I, say Toronto, the Dodgers, they all kind of have this hierarchy where they've got their president and then they have the GM kind of mm. rolling out the day-to-day. -day. So, I, yeah, I think it's a good idea. For sure. Just try and describe to me how excited you are that the guy that they got in, Peter Bendix, uh, for that role. Yeah. Yeah. I, so when when the search kind of began, um, I, I think I posted kind of like my hierarchy of, of my rankings of who I wanted to, to take this role. And um, Bendix was number one. And, and to be honest, it was really purely because he was from Tampa Bay. Um, mm. I remember at the beginning of last year, like during spring training or the winter meetings or something, I was watching MLB network. Um, and there's just this like nerd nerdy kind of guy, like talking on MLB network. And I don't know who it was. And, and then they showed that it was the Rays GM. And I was like, I was just like, Oh my God, like this guy, mm. Like this guy's got to be a genius if you're like that kind of guy, 36 years old as like the GM of the Rays. And, and so kind of from there, um, I was really into him. And, and uh, you know, he's been working in Tampa Bay for what, I think 50, the last 15 years. He's gotten to work under a lot of really smart people. Um, and mm -hmm. he's been, uh, he's experienced. He's been the GM there for a few years. And so um, he was definitely my number one choice when it came to like who Bruce is going to hire. Um, because I think ever since, ever since like the Houston days when they were kind of building up their huge, um, super team or like their, their kind of their infrastructure, um, I've always wanted like a Marlins GM or president who was very like data driven, analytical, like kind of like cutting edge like that. Mm -hmm. Um, 
and we'd gotten Jeter and we got Kim and we just, we, we just never really had this kind of leadership. Um, mm-hmm. So to get this kind of analytical, you know, data decision uh, president, that's, it's just, it's everything that I've been like hoping for over the last several years. Yeah. It feels uh, Sean Barrett was very much of the same thought as well, where, where your head's at was like, you know, hallelujah, almost like it's time. You kind of had Derek Jeter's approach Kim's, but you know, it, it was not analyt- analytically driven. It's tougher word to say actually than you realize <laughs> that. I've just realized, I mean, it is like after nine o'clock here. I'm not drinking, as you know, it's still dry jam, but nevertheless, that wasn't their forte. But I think you look at Peter Bendix, and that is absolutely his wheelhouse, and you know that's the, the approach that he's going to take. The thing that when I consider his experience, this is the, the the point you touched on, which I think is like probably the most critical one and the value he adds, I would say, over probably most candidates that were available, if not most candidates full stop, was the fact that be, being brought up in the Rays organization like he has for that many years, playing so many different roles, he knows the inner workings of every role and function. And... The dude is younger than me. This is the shock. This makes this is this is crazy. But the dude is younger than me. He's absolutely proven it with the Rays. He's worked through with the Rays. He knows everything, and he knows what good looks like. Specifically, he knows directly what good looks like. And for me, that's the core proposition here with this guy. Like he's been there. He's seen it. He's built it, and the Rays have delivered it. And so, you know. But Marlins fans listening in, and listen, this is primarily Marlins fans listening in, we know that. Um, why should they be so excited about Peter Bendix and the change of direction of this organization? I, I would say that the the main reason that they should be excited is that, um, and, and it's kind of something that I've, that I've also kind of gathered watching all these new front office hirings uh, be interviewed, is that he's bringing in a lot of very smart people from mm. very different and unique backgrounds and he's 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 going to allow them to kind of really like push the envelope of like what like can be done in baseball and he's gonna generate this like very like just cutting edge um passionate and and unique environment where the team's gonna try to find any every other every which way to form a competitive advantage and and let, let's face it like when you're owner is Bruce Sherman and it's not like John Middleton of the Phillies like you you have to find those advantages they're not going to be able to just spend 300 million dollars on a on a um, free agent so it's you, you just you really have to be very progressive and you have to be very smart with um, one how you bring in players like the every which way of how you acquire players where it's the draft international waiver claims trades um, you need to be able to extract all the value that you can um, in order to to build a sustainable winning team, and and I, I I just think he's like the absolutely right guy to do that. Yeah, what do you think his timeline looks like here? Like when he's in now, it's his first off season. You know, he's getting to know everyone. He's brought in a load of guys around him, so that's great. But clearly, there's the the playing staff at this point. You know, that's what he's inherited in many ways. So, how do we? You know, what does the timeline look like here for Bendix and all the front office guys for these changes to start to kind of filter through and still and, and when we start to like see the results of this? Is this something we're going to see in 24 in, in some degree or is this 
more like into 25, 26 and, you know, kind of heading towards like a 2030 crescendo almost? Yeah. So the way I've kind of been thinking about it, um, like, for example, on, on the international amateur, you know, free agent side, I, mm-hmm. I don't think you're going to see much of that um, until at least like a couple of years from now, just because like with these teenagers, they have these agreements already agreed upon like multiple years in advance. So yeah. probably I would say like on the international front, a lot of these guys we see being signed are probably like even from the Kim era. Yeah. Um, on a on a player development standpoint, um, I I would say that I'm I feel like they're going to start to extract some value from the major league players that maybe we weren't seeing last year, like um, using data to maybe get some low hanging fruit improvement from pitchers, from hitters, mm-hmm. you know, helping like guys like De La Cruz and Sanchez. Um, whether it's helping them improve like in their strengths or um, taking them out of like weak opportunities where it's like like platooning more like like I think we're going to see a lot of platooning yeah. um, and I think you're going to see like marginal improvement on that front in like this year in 2024 mm-hmm. um, when it comes to like the minor leagues and the farm system I think that's going to be a little lagged kind of like international where mm-hmm. you're probably not going to see like the minor league improvements for a couple of years at least so maybe like 2025 2026 is when we might really start seeing the impact he's having there um but i don't see why the major league team can't see that immediate impact like starting this year just because he brings mm-hmm. in such a unique philosophy of um of data that that is really going to just help players um improve on things that maybe they didn't even know about before maybe they didn't even um couldn't even see before because they they lacked the information uh, that they're going to be given uh, from Bendix. Yeah, I think like a really good example of that in some ways is the the guy that they've just hired. Forget his first name, but man, the man, <laughs> the man is in. Yeah, who's the dude from like Driveline? I think the organization was. Uh, you know, just real kind of pitching mechanics specialist and whatever. And so you know, this is this is kind of where the Marlins are at now, where. You know, you've already got Mel Stoudemire Jr., the the absolute king of uh, of pitching development in many ways at the big league level. But they're like, from a front office perspective and a coaching staff perspective, they're like creating roles now, unique roles for dudes and bringing them in. Like, you know, this this is this guy's from like a third party, um, you know, development firm rather than like from another, um, you know, another organization. So, like. Peter Bendix is really already starting to show that he's thinking heavily outside the box, looking for those like marginal gains. The Marlins, you know, pitching heavy, obviously that's a big priority for the organization, something we've been great at doing and developing. But even so, they continue to push the ticket, right? And this is the kind of exciting part is you get in these moves, you're seeing these like different roles created, these different people, personnel coming in. And you know, it, it can only be a good thing for the guys that are on the roster right now or the guys that are pushing to be on the roster. And then, you know, clearly there's the lag development piece you talk about. So a lot to be excited about there. Just talk to me when, when I think about pitching, when I think about the Rays, one thing always comes to mind is the creation and the the use of openers and creative ways in terms of effectively platooning pitchers, really, in many ways, like this kind of mm-hmm. a- approach to pitching. Do you see the Marlins taking advantage of some of that more so than they have done in the past, in, even in 24? The, the staff is, you know, it's pretty traditional in some ways where you've got like probably five guys that want to go six from the start. So 
I guess there's a balance in terms of like, you know, upsetting that routine, but equally like we've seen it in the Rays, they've been successful. So I'm interested to get your take on whether it's something that like the Marlins are going to look to implement a little bit more. Yeah. So it's a good question because I, you know, right now kind of, if they don't trade any pitchers right now, they probably have like eight guys for five spots, right? If you have got yeah. like Lizardo, Yuri, Braxton, Cabrera, Rogers, Meyer, Ryan Weathers, um, mm. Hoeing, uh, um, you could even say Soriano. Um, yep. And I know a lot of those guys don't have like much mileage on their arms. They, they can't really, they, they probably can't get to like 160, 170 innings, but if you if you have a total number of innings that you need, um, you can probably mix and match all of those guys to get to those innings. So while you only might have like one 200 inning guy in Lazardo, mm-hmm. or you might only have like two guys who even throw like 180 innings, um, you've got a lot of pitchers who are going to accumulate a lot of innings in in like the grand sum. Um, like if you go look at the Rays, like each pitcher's like yearly inning count, I think they've only had like one player. Uh, pitch over 200 innings like since in the last like seven eight years and that was Blake Snell yeah. um so they mix and match a lot to get their mm-hmm. total inning count it's not going to be guys going like 200 innings um but the, the Marlins have a lot of pitching depth probably even more depth than they had last year even though yeah. Sandy's not going to be here they probably have a little bit more depth um and they'll be able to use that depth to um cover all the innings that are needed mm-hmm. I don't really know if they're going to use like the opener idea I mean they might um but the opener is something that like Tampa Bay uh, kind of used to get their advantage, right? Things like the opener, that's kind of what Bendix is going to bring to Miami where it's not going to be necessarily the opener, but that kind of um, thinking, that kind of like way of thinking of, of being cutting edge and trying something that no one's ever seen in baseball, mm-hmm. that is what Bendix is trying to do with the Marlins. And so we might see the Marlins like spearhead some new movement that no one's even really thought about. Yeah, that's, that's it. That's exciting the exciting part. part. That's yeah. the bit, right? That's that's what gets the juices going. Like some of them you've never seen before, thinking, you know, using the tools that you have, you know, for the edge. That's what they're looking for. And you know, what's what's to say that this approach with like, you know, fangrafts are projecting the Marlins at like, you know, let's say a five hundred club, just you know, ran, you know, for rounding it downwards. I think actually, I think they've got them down for eighty two wins. So, you know. The Marlins are projected to be a 500 club at this point. What's to say like a bit of Bendix magic? And next thing is, you know, again, a little bit of luck. You know, you end up with an an 85, 86 win team again. You know, just because you're making these little marginal things, whatever that could look like. We probably don't even know what that is at this point. And so that's the exciting part is the unknown, really, um, you know, at this point. And, you know, they've done a great job like they're. The front office, I mean, you can't grade it any lower than an A, in my opinion. And I think, you you know, you could even shoot towards an A+. plus. To be honest, it feels just that impressive in offseason, um, yeah. to be honest, from a front office perspective. And so this is it, right? You get the personnel in, and then you can start to truly drive change um, and value from the guys that are there. So that's the exciting part. Where do you... I've got it as an A, maybe even higher. Do you see it the same in terms of, like, what they've done off the field here with this front office rebuild? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, it, mm. one thing I wanted to mention with with kind of that marginal improvement is I think mm. Gabe Kapler and bo- both uh, Gabe Kapler and uh, Vinesh, when they were having their interviews with Marlins Radio, they both kind of mentioned the emphasis on sports science. And mm. um, that's something that the Marlins previously had have 
never really had never really utilized of, of really trying to find advantages use you know, you know using sports science and those are the kind of things that you can see like immediately in 2024 because mm-hmm. um i think vanesh said he was going to be focused on like acquiring products and tools that the team can use like to, to improve and to to measure themselves um and then kapler i think is more on the side of like implementing that um, right and th- those are just kind of like little marginal improvements uh that 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 we're going to be able to see um, to really help this team accumulate a few more wins than they might have, might be projected. Yeah. Um, and then on the other side with um, uh, Frankie Pilieri and uh, Rachel Balkovich, I, th- I think um, one thing that they both mentioned is just, they kind of followed Bendix here because um, he's affording them the opportunity to like instill to, to kind of just like, go against the grain and, and to really like take on like these challenges, like as like the head of their departments, like these are people that are coming from being like the second up or the third man up in their department. And now they're going to be given the reins to really and like the freedom to really be creative and um, come up with like just these like really unique uh, solutions to improve the team. So I, I, yeah, I think they have knocked out of the park so far. Teddy, the one thing that, it gets me thinking just when you consider sports science my head goes to like sports science wise i consider like about you know body preparation uh recovery all these kind of areas my my mind immediately goes to how can jazz chisholm jr stay on the field for 150 like that's immediately where my head goes and like if jazz is on the field for 150 and like the toe was just a freak incident last year to be honest with you there was the oblique issue um uh which you know kept him out for a few weeks but you know, for me, for the Marlins, if you think about marginal gains, like if you can keep Jazz healthy and, and listen, Jazz looks after his body as well. Like it's not like uh, he isn't, but I just, you just wonder, right? A different approach. Um, you know, can you remove those, you know, remove just those little two, four week absences, you know, with a little oblique strain or something that just like lingers and then impacts you as well? Like these are the marginal things because the Marlins don't have a ton of depth in many areas. They actually have a strong, what I'm going to describe as one to 11 using like a soccer analogy. Like their one to 11 is pretty strong in my opinion. Um, but the bench isn't amazing. And I think for the Marlins at the big league level, this, at this point, it's, can you keep your one to 11 on the field? If so, you actually can go toe to toe with most, particularly with the pitching staff. So for me, that's a really another interesting wrinkle here as well. Um, let's do, let's do the ad, which is 10 minutes late. So, (laughs) uh, oh, Uh, superiors will not be happy with that one. But nevertheless, this episode is brought to you by our good friends over at FanDuel. The NFL season is wrapping up, but there's still time to get in on the action with FanDuel. It is America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get 150 bucks in bonus bets, guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's 150 bucks in bonus bets. And here's the kicker, win or lose. The app is super easy to use and has so many different ways to bet. It includes... Live, live, same game parlays. Almost botched it, didn't. (laughs) You can find bets in the new Explore tab and you can make a parlay in the Parlay Hub. I see what they did there with that name. The best way to find popular parlays and more. So visit fanduel.com slash locked on to make your first bet a layup. Fanduel, official partner of the NFL. All right, guys, back here with me, Peter Pratt and Isaac Shapiro. On Thursday, the 25th of Jan, we are talking front office rebuild. I'm all in. We're all in. Um, the question is, uh, I guess, you know, looking forward, 
you know, is there anything they've got left to do with this front office? Like I'm looking at everything they've done and everything they've added. Does it, it feels like it's set now. There's maybe one or two tweaks that can be made. I think the interesting part that I've got in my mind is, you know, is, is there going to be a, a Kim replacement? Is there going to be a GM at some stage? Or is Bendix going to kind of run this show with the other guys? I think that for me is kind of the, the, the final piece maybe, but maybe a piece that they address during 2024 or even after the season. What about you? Yeah, I, you know, I think he's got so much on his plate right now, Bendix, that I he's probably just going to run the show, uh, maybe even through the entire year, and maybe next off season he'll he'll yeah. focus on actually hiring a GM. Um, all of the positions that like the Marlins had filled previously, I think, have already been filled. But I think we're going to see a lot more hires, like the pitching strategists that we just saw. Yeah. Um, I think Craig mentioned that they're kind of just getting started on that. Um, if you look at the Tampa like front office directory. It's like four pages long <laughs> and the Marlins yeah. is like one. So I, I wouldn't be yeah. surprised at all if we see like a, a bunch of additional hires um, just to continue to support the the front office and support kind of this trying to be cutting edge, um, you know, team. Yeah. How do you think this impacts Skip Schumacher? Clearly a Kim Ang hire, um, really talented dude. I get the sense actually that Skip Schumacher and Peter Bendix will get along perfectly, to be honest with you. But what about you? I, I, I agree. Um, I, I think Skip's a data, he's a data guy. I mean, he's a, mm. he's a, a player's guy, but he's a data guy too. Yeah. Um, I think we saw that last year. Like, I, I think they were pretty like data driven, at least like in the clubhouse last mm. year and um, kind of with those like bullpen decisions and the pinch hit decisions and whatnot. So yeah, I think they're going to have a great relationship. And if they do well again, I, I don't see why they won't try to hammer out a uh, long-term extension going into that option year. I, I, I don't see why Skip would leave, and I don't, I don't see why they would want Skip to leave. Nah, for sure. Thinking about the current, you know, the guys on the current big league roster anyway, and we've kind of loosely talked about this, and you mentioned a few names, but I'm just interested to, you know, and this we're all guessing at this stage, but who's going to take the biggest leap? Like, who, you know, who are you looking at and thinking, man, there's so much untapped potential there, and we can see, you know, someone, you know, just, a minor tweak here, minor tweak there. Next thing is they accelerate their game. Like, can you put your finger on anyone, either a pitcher, offensive dude that you think, you know, has a a high probability of taking their game to the next level with this kind of different approach? Uh, you know, if he if he stays on the team, I'm I'm hopeful that this kind of new philosophy will help Edward Cabrera. Um, you know, he really has one kind of glaring issue and that's his control. He's got no control. Um, but that's the kind of guy where you, if you can even make that control, like, okay, you have like an elite starting pitcher. And so I'm kind of looking mm -hmm. at him if they, if he, if they don't trade him, I'm kind of looking at him as, um, maybe they put him in a better position to succeed and, and he can tweak that control a little bit. Um, on the offensive side, I would probably look at jazz and hazy Sanchez, whether that's, um, completely eliminating them hitting against lefties and they can just mash right-handed pitchers and have very strong stat lines. Or um, if there are tweaks that they can uh, implement to try to um, perform better against left-handed pitchers, because, you know, if they're, they're just fine against righties. They can't really hit lefties, but I, I think if, if, if they can just be okay against lefties or salvageable against lefties, then you'll see a lot of improvement. Yeah, I, those two, you, you're right to call those, all three of those guys, I think, are, are really 
interesting guys. There's definitely some upside in all three. I'm I'm least optimistic about Jesus Sanchez against lefties, frankly. Yeah. And I I, I I sense that Avicel Garcia is going to play a role uh, in, in that situation uh, as the year goes on. But let's just... We've... We've kind of run out of time in some ways. Well, we haven't. We've still got some time, but I don't feel like we've got enough time to talk about the media day stuff. So I'm going to park that because I wanted to carry this on because, you know, we're in the groove here. So why not? Um, so one of the key topics, clearly, and maybe frustrations in Marlon's Twitter has been, you know, what's going to happen with this notion of retooling the farm, restocking the farm? Like, that's seemingly one of the must-have requirements. And it feels like to do that, you're going to have to move away some major league pieces. Naturally, the fans aren't particularly enamored with that idea because it then starts to sound like a bit of a rebuild in some ways. But with that being so, let's just start there. What's your take on that just generally? Um, you know, and who who could, who could you see being sacrificed if it is to be this offseason, if they do need to sacrifice someone? Yeah, um, I've, I've, put, I've thought about this like too too much. I know. Um, Me too. I, I'm pretty confident. Yeah, I'm, I'm feeling. I'm pretty confident right now that uh, you'll probably see like Edward Cabrera um, and I would say Tanner Scott moved this off. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't have to move Cabrera because he's got five years of control. Um, but if they do want to add either bats, like major league ready bats, or add to the farm this year, then they probably have to trade Cabrera. Um, yeah. I I don't think Luzardo is going to get moved. I don't think Arias is going to get moved. Um, at least not this year. I think when Sandy comes back next year, that'll give you a little bit more flexibility to move Luzardo because then you'll have mm. Sandy, you know, Braxton, Yuri, Trevor, Meyer. You have you have, you have a lot of pitching uh, next year. Yep. So I, I think maybe next year is when you might see Luzardo get moved. Um, mm. Arise. I don't know what I don't know what they're going to do with him. Um, no, I thought they could trade him this off season. It sounds like they it could just be a contract, but they ride it out, right? I mean, they yeah. you don't have to. You don't have to trade a guy if his contract's coming up. It might be the best thing to recapture value, but mm. you want to just ride it out and maybe hope that you can sign him when he hits free agency. Maybe they do that. Um, but yeah. I, I think next year we might see um, some uncomfortable movement, mm-hmm. whereas this year it's just kind of going to get rid of a couple guys. You know, Scott would love to keep him, but Marlins aren't paying a reliever $10 million, nope. you know, no $10 million a year, and so they're going to – they're probably going to capture as much value from him as they can. And they can probably get a pretty solid bat for him too. Yeah, I agree. I, I I think I said this on Twitter last week that like, if one has to go, Tanner Scott definitely is the guy that, that I'm most comfortable moving because of the depth they have of left-handed relievers out of the pen that are, you know, are, that are effective and equally what's to say Tanner Scott doesn't regress back to the mean in some ways as well. And so that's just the life of a reliever. And so literally he is at peak value right now in some ways. And clearly the year of control remaining begins to diminish. So you end up rent, you know, it is a rental either way. So I'm interested on that. It's been, it's just been a bit of a tough one for Marlins fans this off season because there's been some mixed messages. I think that's the problem. It's, you know, we want to, we want to restock the farm. And so we kind of know what that means because historically we know what that means. It is like, well, we're going to move some of our studs that are maybe more expensive and, you know, restock it. Listen, the Marlins are prioritizing a shortstop. Clearly that's in deals. That is what they're looking for. Like it's P1, you know, the phone rings, 
we're interested in in Trevor Rogers or Edward Cabrera, and it's like, okay, you know, what's available from a shortstop perspective? And I feel like that's like at the start and end of these conversations. So, you know, do you are you aligned on that? That if a deal's to be done, if it is Eddie Cabrera, and I'm I'm with you by the way on the upside element of Eddie Cabrera. That I think the control is there. There's one weakness. If you can fix it, there's a stud. I I believe the question is is like, does he have the mental um, commitment to it too. I think there's a little question mark there personally. Um, but the phone rings, you know, Eddie Cabrera, let's talk. It's going to have to be a shortstop back in return, it feels, right? Yeah, it, which, you know, it's unfortunate that the two, two positions they really need are probably the two hardest to acquire. Like, I, yeah, they're not exactly. going to get a catcher via trade. They're, they're just going to have to ride it out with, like, Fortes, Bethancourt, and hope, like, mm-hmm. maybe Will Banfield steps it up for next year. But, yeah, they're looking yeah. for a shortstop um via trade and if they can't get one then i would probably think they would go for just like high upside very young prospects like a team like the yankees who might have these like 17 18 year old teenage high upside prospects that have a lot of variance um Mm -hmm. if it's not going to be a shortstop i think it's going to be a pair of those trying to just capture like high ceiling um kids for cabrera who who might not be knocking on the doorsteps of the major leagues but um, are maybe a couple of years out from being like these like top, top prospects. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be really interesting to see which way they go um, for sure. Like, like you said, acquiring big league ready, above average projectable shortstop is a tough ask. Um, and so the, the conditions, you know, there's not many of those around. And so there's only a certain amount of teams. But the reality is, I think all teams are interested in a good chunk of the Marlins pitching. So there's always a deal to be done. It's just whether they want to uh, accept the price tag. We're out of time. However, I did make a commitment that I would ask any guest that joined me in January right up to opening day, the same two questions. I haven't prepared you on these, so I'm hitting you on the fly. First one, though, because this one is easy for you in some ways. Who's going to be the 2024 home run leader for the Marlins? Jake Berger. No doubt. Berger, baby, yeah. Yep, Sean Miller, exactly. 40 bombs. 40 bombs, boy, oh boy, we're starting with a four. Let's go. He had 30, but he said 30-plus, Sean Miller, uh, earlier this week, so... That's two in. That's two for two for for Burger. Great. I, what an acquisition, by the way. We haven't got time to dig into that. Um, the final one. This may need. To, I should have prepared you on this, um, but it's the most likely, unlikely stat that could happen or will happen in 2024. My example of this, just to bring it to life, was Vidal Bruhan stealing a hundred bags. <laughs> um. Can I say like Anthony Maldonado, who has never even debuted in the MLB, he'll mm. lead the team in saves this year. He'll have, he'll have the most saves on the team. Oh my days! That is, I mean, that is a likely unlikely because if Tanner Scott's <laughs> gone, then there's saves, there's saves up for grabs. So I love it, Anthony Maldonado, love uh, for sure. Um, Isaac, it's been a blast, and I really appreciate you hopping on. Like I said, and everyone that's listening. I think they'll make this connection too. You've been a big pro Bendix. You've been a big pro data analytics guy. And, you know, I, we, I think we can all see it. I think we kind of want both. I think that's the bit for Marlins fans. We want the team to be competitive now because there's, there's a, a good core there, frankly. Uh, but equally, we know that there's been problems historically with this organization in terms of drafting, in terms of development, in terms of, Everything else effectively has just been below par. And so it's it's a, 
a necessary change, but it's one that, you know, is a really tough balancing act for Peter Bendix. And I think that is the, you know, it's going to be the true kind of acid test for all of us in the next couple of months to see how it plays out. But yeah, it's been a lot yeah. of fun. Make sure and, and you... Keep- uh, Go ahead, Real quick, it, I know it's not. This isn't for everybody. I know this kind of like team building. It's not for everyone, but the team mm-hmm. they will be better off in the long run. Like no mm-hmm. doubt about it. You've summed it up perfectly. I you should have just said that, and I didn't have to say that full paragraph. <laughs> we'd have we'd have finished uh, forty five seconds sooner. <laughs> um, all right, guys, and Isaac, appreciate it as always, and uh, make sure you hit him up uh, on on Twitter or X, Savento uh, seventeen, uh, as it's. Uh, written out the graphics there to help you so hit that up um guys thanks for making lockdown mileage first listen of the day and joining me peter pratt and isaac shapiro on thursday we are talking and we have talked front office rebuild and as we've summarized there it's the right thing and the best thing for this organization long term end of conversation look forward to seeing you guys tomorrow